0: Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. This morning, we're continuing our sermon series entitled Breaking Free. So far, we've looked at the importance of breaking free from regret. Last week, we looked at the importance of breaking free from resentment. Now, this morning, we're going to look at the importance of breaking free from strongholds. Now, um, Lenny Port shared that in the Greek, stronghold. Is, is this. It is the place where the devil has you in his hand. It is something that has captured or captivated the mind. It holds its prisoner in a false sense of security. What are some strongholds in your life that you experience on a regular basis? What are some strongholds maybe even that you are experiencing this morning? Is there a sin that you are chained to this morning? Maybe it's the stronghold of bitterness or unforgiveness or fear or addiction. Maybe it's anxiety or anger or regret or resentment. Sometimes a stronghold is worry. How high will gas prices go? How will I put food on my table? Will I have enough money at the end of the month to pay the bills and to clothe my children? Will I have enough money to retire on you know there are so many strongholds in this world. So many things bind us and hold us back, right? I want to read a passage of scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. These are the words that Paul wrote. He said, "For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. complete. You and I may not want to admit this all the time, but we are at war, aren't we? There's an internal internal war that is raging within us. There's an external war raging outside of the doors of this church. And we know there is also a spiritual war that is going on in our world this morning. And if you and I are not careful, in the midst of this war, we will find ourselves having um, a, 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 a victim mentality, won't we? a woe-is-me mentality in the midst of our strongholds. Notice our message point this morning is this. We need to break free from the enemy's strongholds. We need to break free from the enemy's strongholds. Break free this morning of whatever it is that is holding you back and holding on to you. Remember, Satan is trying to find ways to destroy us. He is trying to find a way to wedge himself into our lives. The devil, as we know in Scripture, is a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Last week we looked at, um, in in Ephesians chapter 4, we looked at how we need to be careful not to give an opportunity to the devil, not to allow the devil to get his foot inside of the door of our lives and wedge himself there. I think all of us know the importance of not allowing the devil to gain access into our lives. But what do we do when the work of the devil through the lives of others calls us to experience our strongholds? How many of you have ever done the right thing only to have suffered the consequences for it? Think about that. How many times does that happen to you? It happens. We've all experienced it. It's not right. But sometimes in moments like these, if we just wait on the Lord, he's going to show us the big picture, isn't he? So again, if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Acts chapter 16. Within this chapter, we find... Paul and Silas, Paul's on his second missionary journey, and he finds himself in the city of Philippi. And we're told in this passage of Scripture that, that one day Paul and Silas were heading to the, the house of prayer. They were going there to, to pray, obviously, going there to study the Word, going there to pray the, proclaim the good news of salvation. And then we come to verse 16, and we read that they are met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination, and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. What these owners had is they had themselves a sideshow act, didn't they? This sideshow act that they had, they used her to profit off of her. She was a demon-possessed lady who was crazy, is what she was. And, And we're told that this lady follows behind Paul and Silas in verse 17, She proclaims, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. This demon-possessed girl proclaimed the absolute truth, didn't she? She proclaimed that that Paul and Silas had come into Philippi for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to proclaim the good news of salvation. Nothing wrong with that, right? Here's the problem with that demon-possessed woman. She did not proclaim the good news of salvation because it was her desire that many people get saved. She proclaimed the good news of salvation because it was her hope that Paul and Silas would be penalized and punished for what they were doing. Well, we're we're told next in verse 18 that Paul became a little bit annoyed with this young lady. We read, greatly annoyed, turned and, and said to the spirit. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Immediately upon the command given by Paul, that demon left that young lady. Scripture doesn't tell us anything else about that young lady, but I can't help but believe that she herself would come to faith in Jesus Christ because that stronghold that was binding her, had been set free, and, and I just I, I, I hope that she came to faith in Jesus Christ. Well, here's the deal. As a result of that exorcism, Paul and Silas would find themselves in a great deal of trouble. They'd get in trouble with that lady's owner as well as the leaders within that city. And notice what happens to them. In Acts 16, 19 through 24, we read of the consequences of that exorcism. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet into stocks. So think about Paul and Silas. These two men did the right thing by performing that exorcism, didn't they? Nothing wrong, again, with what they did. They set this young lady free from her stronghold, only to find themselves experiencing a stronghold themselves. Notice our first point this morning. It's this, worship during strongholds. Now, that's not an easy thing to do, but that is something that we can as we watch Paul and Silas, we too can find ourselves doing. Notice next in Acts 16:25 through 29 we read, about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. You know, a lot of times we find ourselves up against a wall imprisoned by others and when that happens the last thing that we want to do is worship right instead of worshiping the lord we cry out why me why are bad things happening to me why am i suffering when i did all things right when those around me who did wrong are the ones that should be suffering we think that if we are walking with the lord and growing in our relationship with the Lord that we should be shrouded from the evil that is around us, right? You ever asked your que- the, the question or been asked the question, why do bad things happen to good people? I think we've all been there. We've asked that on behalf of ourselves, and we certainly have been asked that as believers by other people. What had Paul and Silas done wrong? They sent that demon packing is what they, they did right, but they were accused of a wrong. There is a devil at work trying to destroy our witness. But when the devil what the devil intended for bad, the Lord used for good. Notice their devotion. These two men had just been beaten. They're probably a bloody mess. They probably had lacerations all over their body. I wouldn't be surprised if if they didn't have broken ribs and broken bones because we're told that they were beaten with rods. I can't even imagine. You know, in in Jewish custom, um, you could only beat someone 39 times, okay? In Roman customs, there was no such law. So there's no telling how many blows these two men experienced at the hand of the Romans then they're thrown into a maximum security cell designated for the worst and vilest of criminals. And those busted up bodies would be fastened to chains to, to guarantee that they would not be able to escape. How would you ever responded if you were these two men? How would you have responded if you were Paul and Silas? Man, I'd be bawling my eyes out. But not Paul and Silas. We are told in Scripture that they bust out in praise and worship. Can you, I I can't even imagine what that must have been like. Folks, anyone can find joy in life when all is going well. But it takes real devotion to praise the Lord during moments of pain and suffering. Notice their witness. These men are in jail because of their faith and their work. A smart person, what would a smart person do? A smart person would keep their mouth closed, right? Because they would hope that they would get released from prison as, based on good behavior. But not Paul and Silas, man. They're praising and worshiping the Lord and proclaiming the good news of salvation, which put them in prison to begin with, right? And we're told in this passage of Scripture that the prisoners were listening to them. You know the guards were listening to them as well. These men knew that God was in control. They knew that God could deliver them from that prison or he could use them within that prison to radically change the lives of others. In Romans 8, 28, we read, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Even in the midst of some of our strongholds, there is good that can come out of those. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we read, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. These men bust out into praise and worship. We don't know what they were singing. Most people suggest that they were probably singing um, a psalm, maybe even Psalm 100, which reads, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. When you find yourself bound by the strongholds of this world, don't have a pity party. Let's bust out and praise and worship to the Lord. Next, we see their discernment. In verse 26, we're told that suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. If you were Paul and Silas and those chains all of a sudden fell off and you saw that door wide open, what would you have done? Man, I probably, I'm sure that my body would be broken and hurting, but I would have tried to get up, muster up all of my strength and get out of that prison just as fast as I could. But that's not what Paul and Silas do. And we're told that all the other prisoners remained in that prison as well. That Roman soldier wakes up, he pulls his sword, and then he's about to fall on that sword. Do you know why he was about to kill himself? He's about to kill himself because under Roman law, if 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 prisoners escape, that guard is held responsible. So he probably would have been beaten himself and then he probably would have been executed as a result of those guards or or as a result of those prisoners busting out on his watch. What, what, What we see with Paul and Silas is we see Paul and Silas yell out to that guard, hey, we're all here. And the next thing that happens is we see the awakening of a sinner. In verses 27 through 29, we read, When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul and Silas cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, trembling with fear, fell down before Paul and Silas. Again, when that jailer woke up, he immediately thought the worst. Please know this, that anyone can find joy in life when all is going well. But it takes real devotion to praise the Lord during moments of pain and suffering. Notice our second point this morning. It is this, salvation during strongholds. In verses 30 and 32, we read, Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. So the jailer brought Paul and Silas out of the inner prison, the let's call it the maximum security area. He brings them out into a safer environment. And he asked Paul and Silas the greatest question that could ever be asked, and a question that all men and woman that ever walked the face of this earth will have to ask. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? By asking that question, this man recognizes some important truths, Stetney. He? he recognizes that he is a sinner and that his sin separates him from God. He recognizes that he is a lost man on a collision course with hell. And he recognizes that if he does not find an answer to the greatest question, then he himself is going to experience eternal separation from God in a real place called hell. And next we see Paul's answer. And this is the only answer that there is. They say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Let me ask you a question this morning. Think about this for a moment. If you had only three minutes to share the gospel with someone before they died, could you do it? Could you tell someone, a lost person, in three minutes how they could get saved? John Taylor Smith was a chaplain to Queen Victoria and the chaplain general of the British Army during World War I. Before a person could become a chaplain in the army, they had to be appointed by John Smith. He had to give his blessing, but before he would give his blessing, he asked them this question. He said, now I want you to show me how you would deal with this situation. Suppose that I am a soldier and I've been critically wounded on the battlefield. I have three minutes to live. And I am afraid to die because I do not know Christ. Tell me, how may I be saved with the assurance that all is well? You have three minutes or less. If that man could not tell John Smith how a person could get saved in three minutes, they would never have been appointed chaplain in the army. Folks, you and I have been entrusted with the greatest of messages. If we cannot share the message of salvation with the lost person, then that is a major problem, isn't it? There is no greater bondage that a person experiences than the bondage of sin and the bondage of unbelief. And there's only one way that a person can break free from that bondage, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. If you can't tell people how they can get saved, then there is a possibility that you yourself are not saved. I know those are harsh words this morning, but think about it. To tell someone how they can get saved is for you to tell them how you yourself got saved, right? How did you become a Christ follower? You repented of your sins, didn't you? You believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. You believed that he is and was who he said he was. And you confessed through your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you know that you did that, then you can tell someone else how they too can become a Christ follower. You can do it in three minutes or less, can't you? I want to share with you how you can break free from the stronghold of sin. That is all we have to do, is share with someone how they can do that. Notice that Paul and Silas did not stop with just sharing the gospel with this jailer. They took it to his family as well. In verse 32 we read, And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. Please know that the gospel does not stop with one victory. We are to take the gospel to all people, aren't we? Following the gospel being presented and the jailer and his family becoming saved, we witness ministry occurring during strongholds. In verses 33 through 34 we read, And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once. He and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Think about this scene. Immediately after this man and his household are saved, we see the evidence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They immediately start serving, don't they? The first act of service is ministry of healing. They immediately tend to the wounds of Paul and Silas. They probably carefully wiped the blood that was all over their body. They probably wrapped the wounds to the very best of their ability. Let me ask you this, in what ways do you serve? In what ways, post your salvation, do you serve the Lord? All of us have been called to serve, right? All of us have been called and set apart to serve the Lord. Notice what we read in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them you and I are saved by grace. Make no mistake about that. But you and I also are saved to do good works. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20, we read, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ. Reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. When we were saved, we became a new person, didn't we? The old person died. The old person passed away and the new person rose to life. This new person has a new mission, a mission to do good works. We are called in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to the ministry of reconciliation. You and I are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28 tells us to go into all the world. That wasn't designated to the 12 disciples. That was a a commissioning For all of us in this room, we are all ministers of the gospel. Not only are we ministers of the gospels, we are also ambassadors of Christ who are on a goodwill mission set apart to proclaim the good news of salvation all across this world. This jailer, and this new family in Christ recognized that. They immediately began to serve. How did they know that they were supposed to serve? Because the Holy Spirit was in their lives calling them to this ministry, just as the Holy Spirit is in our lives calling us to the ministry of service as well. Next, we see, following a little tender loving care that Paul and Silas was received, we see the ministry of baptism. Remember, baptism does not save us. But it is a clear command in Scripture. Throughout Scripture, we see after a person got saved, they would be baptized. They did not wait weeks. They did not wait months. They did not wait years. Oftentimes, we see immediately them get baptized. You may be here this morning, and you've never been baptized. Or if you were baptized, maybe you were baptized as an an infant and you haven't experienced water immersion baptism. Scripture says that when Jesus was baptized, he went down into the water and then he came up out of the water. That is a picture of biblical baptism. If you're here this morning, you have not been biblically baptized. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe your baptism is on the wrong side of your salvation. You accepted um you were baptized, let's say, after a vacation Bible school when you were five years old, but you really didn't become a Christ follower until you were in your 20s, 30s, 40s, or 50s, and you need to get your baptism on the right side of your salvation. Again, baptism does not save us, but it does give evidence of what Christ has done in our lives, how he, 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 he cleansed us of our old life and gave us a new life. Lastly, we see here the ministry of fellowship. In verse 34, we read, Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. This family celebrated, and they broke bread together. What a glorious picture that would have been. Please know that even in the midst of our strongholds, we can still be used of God to minister to the needs of those of others. If Paul and Silas would have had a pity party in that cell, then who knows what would have happened that day? Who knows if that jailer in his household would have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Who knows if the ministry of these two men would have carried on beyond Philippi? Don't let strongholds keep you from serving the Lord. In verse in Luke chapter 4, 18, we read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has, set me, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus came to set free those who were bond, bound to their strongholds. He can set you free this morning if there is a stronghold you find yourselves chained to today let us as believers find time to worship during our strongholds. Let us proclaim the good news of salvation during our strongholds, and let us minister to others during our strongholds. Let me challenge us again that when those moments come, when we find ourselves in strongholds, let's break free from the enemy's stronghold. You may be here this morning and, and, and there is a stronghold you find yourself bound to. It may be the stronghold of addiction. It may be the stronghold of worry or anxiety or fear or resentment or, or, or um, many different strongholds. If you find yourself this morning bound to one of those during this time of invitation, let me just invite you to spend some time in prayer asking God to help you be broken free of those things. You may be here this morning and you're like, hey, my salvation is on the wrong, or my baptism is on the wrong side of my salvation, and I want to follow the Lord and believers' baptism. Love to share with you more about how you can do that. And we can feel that baptismal um, pull up and have it ready to go even for next Sunday if you would want to do that. Let's stand together. And if there's a decision you need to make, you come. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our time in your word, Father. Lord, we know that all of us, Father, find ourselves chained to different things. We find ourselves chained to a particular sin habit. We find ourselves chained to fear and worry anxiety, resentment. We find ourselves chained, Lord Jesus, to so many different things. Help us, Father, to break free of those things. Help us to find our freedom in you. Lord, there is no greater bondage that a a person experiences than being bound. unbelief, to be being bound to their sin because they have yet to come to faith in you. I pray this morning if there is someone here today that is yet to receive you as Lord and Savior, that today will be the day of their salvation. I pray this morning, Lord Jesus, if there is someone that needs to get their baptism on the right side of their salvation, that today will be the day that they Lord, move now during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray.